0: This is Katie Prejean-McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I have a two-year-old, and she is a very squirmy little girl. And one time in her little life, have Tommy and I, just once, we have tried to pray a family rosary together and it has not gone very well she hopped off the couch she ran out of the room she begged to watch Coco I mean she's only two so we're working on it instead what we've adopted in our lives is just a simple Hail Mary as we put her to sleep and it's incredible to watch this little two-year-old who doesn't know all the words but she knows the first couple words and she she says her little two-year-old version of Hail Mary and she always taps her head like she's making the sign of the cross. And there's this beautiful routine and and system to praying with our daughter that hopefully ingrains in her and and establishes within her a love not only of prayer but a love of Our Lady. We've talked all season about ways to get to know Mary. We've talked about. Um, different ways that people have experienced the presence of Mary in their lives. We've talked about the rosary. We've talked about Mary at the foot of the cross. We've talked about Mary in the life of a priest. And this week we're talking uh, with a dear friend of mine, J.D. Flynn, the editor-in-chief of Catholic News Agency, about prayer with his children, including, incorporating, and, and really leaning on Our Lady, Uh, JD is a gem. He's an incredible guy with uh, a podcast of his own, the Editor's Desk Podcast, as well as the CNA Newsroom Podcast, um, which are just both excellent stellar weekly podcasts that give you an insight into what's going on in the Catholic world and elsewhere. Um, And we've got those links down in the show notes. And JD was able to take some time to sit down and just chat for a little while about how prayer and how Mary has impacted his own life. It's impacted the lives of his children. He shares about his family. He shares about his wife. And then we're able to pick a little bit of JD's brain about some of the theological, let's say sticking points of Our Lady. What are some of the common arguments against having a relationship with Our Lady? And how can we talk about her with those people that maybe do have those hangups? This was such a fun interview to do, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, a chat with my friend, J.D. Flynn. Well, J.D., thanks so much for joining us here on the Avi Explores podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you? What do you do?
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is a great podcast, and I'm really glad to be on it. Um, I am uh, uh, a dude. I am uh, <laughs> a, dad. <laughs> a dad also, um, probably Mostly a dad. In fact, someone at the at, at at my office yesterday said that I was um I I that that I was acting with my dad's superpowers when I was giving somebody a little pep talk. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm a husband first, um, and a dad of three kids, Max, um, Pia, and Daniel, and they're um, uh, seven, six, and two. And I'm the editor um, in chief of Catholic News Agency, which is a great um, news agency.
0: Awesome. So tell me about your family. Tell me about your wife. Tell me about your kids.
1: Yeah, my wife and I have been married for 13 years. We uh, we met um, as undergrads at the um, Franciscan University of Stuville and got married shortly after we graduated, which is like the most Steubenville story that yeah. everyone has. <laughs> um, but normal. What's that?
0: It's normal. You know. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Spring
0: by spring, the whole nine yards. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally. Well, we... Um, yeah. We, we slow rolled it just a little bit because oh. we, we embraced another film cliche, which is that we dated for a long time. And then, um, I broke up with Kate because I thought I should become a priest and then, oh. um, came to my senses and, and we got back together, which is like, you know, another, another sort of cliche of our circle, but yeah. all of it was true as well. So yeah, we've been married for 13 years. We got married while we were in, in, both of us were in grad school and, um, and our two older children, Max and Pia, are adopted. We tried for, um, you know, uh, um, I guess six or seven years to um, to have children, and we had some, you know, some heartbreaks in there, and um, and it just was not at that time uh, God's will for us. And uh, and so after a while, we started pursuing adoption, and so. Um, our son Max Maximilian Colby, was um, born on December seventeenth, two thousand and eleven um, and and we met him about ten days after he was born and took him home from the hospital a couple days after that and uh, and Max is a great guy. and we just fell in love with him right away. And Max was a little bit of a curveball for us because he um, has Down syndrome. and it wasn't sort of our plan to adopt someone with Down syndrome. It's just kind of how it happened. and uh, and and so we you know as we adopted him, we learned some things about Down syndrome and And, um, and, uh, and then, uh, less than a year later, I mean, almost, almost exactly a year later, we got a call. It was a Thursday. Uh, we got a call from our adoption agency and they said that a couple had come in that day and they were going to have a baby on Sunday. So like three days later and, um, and they wanted to make an adoption plan for the baby and they wanted two things. They wanted a family that was devout, devoutly Catholic and that knew about Down syndrome. And so Mm -hmm. our agency was like, do we, do you know anybody? So... (laughs) Well Yeah. So we called our spiritual director and we said, like, do you think this is prudent? And he said, I don't know if it's prudent, but I know you guys are gonna do it, so go for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, is a baby ever prudent? Right,
1: exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So we adopted our daughter, Pia Therese. She was born on um December 9th, 2012, and uh and we, we met her the day she was born and she came home with us just a few days after that. And uh and so those are those guys, and then um unexpectedly um uh, let's see our son is um, two so um, I guess in 2016 I think that's right unexpectedly in 2016 we uh, we got pregnant after um, you know having been married at that point for um, uh, for uh, more than 10 years and not thinking that that would be God's will for us at all we unexpectedly found that we got pregnant and uh, and then our son Daniel Vanier was born and we're we're really blessed they're all three great and we love them
0: those are great names too. Good Catholic names.
1: Yeah. Um, we, we had Pia Therese for a long time. Like, I think on like, it was another student vote cliche. I think on like our second date. We're like, well, we'll name our daughter Pia Therese. And so <laughs> we had that name for a long time. But Well, uh, tell yeah. me
0: about that name. Cause is Pia a Marian reference?
1: Yeah. I mean, in some ways, yes. I mean, piety, you know, piety is the virtue of, 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 um, of, of, grat- of gratitude for the graces that we can't repay. And, um, and, and Mary is, is, um, is the Bissima, right? I mean, in the Salve Regina, we we uh, we call her um, mm-hmm. Opia, you know, and and uh, and so it, it is it is evocative of Mary. Um, when we we sing the Salve every night at bedtime, and uh, and uh, when we get to Opia every night, our daughter Pia stops and she says, "That's for me." And so <laughs> we tell her that it's for Mary, and she says, "Yeah, Mary too." Um,
0: <laughs> Mainly for her, though. <laughs> right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, but and, yeah, it is.
0: Children with Down syndrome do offer. I think a beautiful and unique witness to all of us of joy. Um, It's not to say your kids are probably always happy. I mean, they're seven and six. I'm sure there's temper tantrums. I'm sure there's discipline, but um, what a gift that you and your wife are to the world to have said yes to these children.
1: Well, we're Um, blessed. I mean, they are, they have the full ordinary range of human emotions and the same sort of social and spiritual and emotional needs as their peers. Um, But they also, yeah, they are, um, they, they are a witness to, um, to joy and, and especially to, um, to to trust and to perseverance and to just um an unabashed kind of witness of of all of our desire to love and to be loved um they're not um they don't they don't hide their desire to love and to be loved and that reminds us i think um to to try to 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 be the same way
0: now one of the things i was struck by in your piece um was just how how you do pray with your family every night um do y'all sing the salve in latin
1: we do. Does it? Is it? Does it even exist in English, Katie? It's true.
0: I don't think I actually would be able to say it in <laughs> English without like immediately revolt. You know, revolting, re- resorting back to the Sabbath. So, how is how I, for those that are listening um, who have hopefully listened to the whole season up to this point, and we've talked about praying with Mary with Father Sharapa, we've talked about Mary at the foot of the cross with Letitia Adams. Let's say I'm a mom who's hearing this podcast. I'm a dad who's hearing this podcast. How do I start to pray with my family and make Mary a central central part of that? How did you all start? Like, did you and your wife sit down and
1: make a plan? Was it just kind of it happened? Kind of. I mean, we we um, we we made a plan and then and then adapted our plan to reality very quickly. Um, in <laughs> that we we love. I mean, Kate and I both have the experience of going, and and maybe you do too, of going to people's houses who have pray a family rosary together every single night, and just like. Um, we both have had that experience, uh, had had that experience in other people's houses and just loved it and wanted it for um, for our family. And so we, you know, we started out by saying, okay, at bedtime, we'll say, uh, you know, we'll say a family rosary. And um, we quickly realized that what's realistic for us most nights is a family decade or a family two decades. And um, and so um, we, you know, we have bedtime together. So um, we kind of do our getting into pajamas routine and all that. And then. Our big kids share a room, so that makes it easy because everybody just goes to the big kids' room, and the big kids get in bed, and uh, and uh, and the little guy just sits on somebody's lap. And we have to um, – the kids both know and expect and love the routine of family rosary, but they also fight it, right, because they're kids. And so, you know, it's a little bit of um, – trying to get everybody to settle down mm-hmm. and then just jumping in whether everybody settled down or not. We, we found that we just, um, we decided we would be absolutely consistent with a decade and um, and then build on that. And so um, we, uh, they've come to love it and, um, and we, we do build on it. We more often go to two decades or three decades. And I think as they get older, um, you know, we'll keep we'll keep growing and as they're able to sit still longer, we'll keep going. Um, I think what I want is I know people who um, as adults even, you know, pray the rosary every night before they go to sleep, they, they almost need to. And it's such a beautiful habit. And, um, and I want that to be ingrained in my kids to have this time of reflection and this time of entrusting their day to the Blessed Mother and entrusting the next day to the Blessed Mother and especially just, you know, hopefully a little bit, I mean, they're kids, but hopefully a little bit contemplating. The mystery of the mysteries of Jesus' life through through the eyes of Mary, and I feel like even though right now it's it, you know it's something small, it's a decade or two decades. It takes five minutes maybe, um, and and even though sometimes we have to stop five times first during warning about putting our heads on our pillow and not hitting anybody, um, you know, ha- virtue is born out of habit, and so I feel like. Even when we don't feel like they're, even when we don't know if they're getting something out of it or we don't know, or we know that we're not I'll always, I feel like we're, Mary understands that. I mean, you know, I don't think Mary expects us to, to have a like perfectly pious and devout home before we invite her into it. And so we invite her, I guess, into, um, into the, you know, the chaos of bedtime routine with little kids. And, and, and I think we all benefit from having her there.
0: Yeah. But it, well, it is chaotic. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just, hey. I think of the moment we take my daughter out of the bathtub and she takes off running around the house, just <laughs> dripping wet, butt naked all the way. Yeah. So you can only get away with that for so long in life before you right. have to cut that off. So I'm fine with her taking advantage. Sometimes she slips and falls. So she's a little more cautious now, but <laughs> and it is, it's it's about welcoming our lady into our homes. I love the way you put that and and just kind of enthroning her there. I hope you're enjoying this chat with my friend JD and that you're learning maybe ways that you can incorporate prayer in your own family or just listening to the joy of a dad talk about his family and talk about the ways that Mary has influenced their life. I always think it's really a valuable gift to be able to just hear about the lived reality of everyday Catholics living their everyday faith. And that's really the mission and the goal of the Ave Explorers project from Ave Maria Press. You know, one of the really great things is that J.D. is kind of one of our our double whammy guests. He also wrote a piece for Ave Explorers, which you can find on the Ave Maria Press website. And some of you may have already taken advantage of reading that article along with other great content because you're subscribing to the Ave Explorers project. If you're curious about what that is or you want to go read that article and more, click on over to AveMariaPress.com and sign up for the Ave Explorers content. So click on over to AveMariaPress.com now. So the other side of you, you are dad and you are a husband from Franciscan University, but you got your graduate degree. Um, what's the what's the the real hook of J.D. Flynn? You are a canon lawyer.
1: I am um, a canon lawyer. Uh, so or at least my you sister try to be.
0: You try to right well, and I've learned a lot from you. Uh, my sister's a canon lawyer, and I can barely keep up with her half the time in conversation. <laughs> but so I, I want to pick your brain for just a few minutes on some of the theology of Mary. Um, okay. I think it's very easy to, you know, we can say, we well, welcome Mary into our home, we want her to be part of our prayer lives, we want our kids to model after her, but some people have intellectual hang-ups when it comes to Our Lady. Yeah. Uh, and what, one of the biggest arguments I always hear is that, well, why do you have to honor somebody else, or why do you have to pray to somebody else when you can just go straight to Jesus? So for the person that maybe has that intellectual hang-up, or has a friend that has that intellectual hang-up, how can we approach inviting mary into their lives by by i don't want to say let's make her less threatening but what's an easy access point to explain some of that
1: well i think first of all i mean it's scriptural right to um to ask you know scripture talks about both asking one another ourselves to pray for one another and then asking the saints to pray for us so um it's it's if we want to be biblical christians um kind of communion with the communion of saints is a part of that and and we all know that because when something happens in our life, it's just, as Christians, it's just reflexive to ask people to pray for us. And we're accustomed to asking people to, you know, for to people asking us to pray for them. And so the idea that those who are closest to God um, wouldn't be invited to pray for us just seems like we're not being very strategic about uh, about intercessory prayer. Um, but the other thing is Jesus gives Mary um, to us as our mother when he's on the cross. And, um, and so, and that's not just about... Um, you know, giving her to those who are at the foot of the cross, but giving her to the church as our mother. And um, and it doesn't um, recognizing Mary's intercessory role, recognizing that Jesus gives us um, gives her to us as a mother, doesn't diminish God's glory. In fact, kind of seeing God's glory shine through um, through those who have said, yes to him, um, helps us to, to more concretely understand it in our own lives. And so I think in the same way, all of us can think of heroic witnesses of faith and, um, and want to be like them, whether they're from scripture or whether they're from stories of the saints or whether they're from, you know, contemporaries who we just know and admire as Christians. And, and, uh, and Mary fits into that category. So we have her around because we want to remember to be like her. And we ask her to pray for us because that's what scripture tells us to do. and, I think anybody who has intellectual hangups about it, I I very much get them. Um, I think they can be overcome um, through probably a deeper dive into some of the things that I've talked about. But Mm -hmm. I also think they can be overcome through the experience of of inviting Mary to be our mother. I mean, even if we're apprehensive about it, even if we don't know what that means, just sort of um, beginning in a little way to ask Mary to be um, our interceding mother will bear us the kinds of... um, consolation and uh and peace that that her intercession that the intercession of a mother can bring that's definitely my experience for sure
0: so in in some of those intellectual hangups, ups it's the concept of well i don't need to talk to somebody else so we we turn to her as mother because you always kind of want to talk to a mom um so maybe she is that comforting factor what about the idea of mary is ever virgin i know that's that's one that people really struggle with um and, and, and I don't even know how to theologically phrase the question other than, I mean, we, we teach that Mary is ever virgin. What does that really mean? Like, what, what's the minute explanation of that, that I give to a non-Catholic brother or sister?
1: Yeah, I, I guess I don't. You know, I, I think the hang up probably comes from a misunderstanding of scripture, from um, really a, a mistranslation of scripture or a misunderstanding of family. Um, um, uh, ancient Near Eastern family structures, I guess, but this idea that when Scripture refers to Jesus' Jesus's brother and sisters, which is really sort of a, n- not a great English translation of the idea of his his kin, his his close family, you know, so I guess the idea comes from that just misunderstanding of Scripture. So I think probably the first way to correct it is just to sort of look at, at what the Bible says about Jesus' family. Um, but the th- second thing is that um, Mary's virginity is a sign of her having been Um, set apart for this, um, for this divine, uh, divinely inspired call, you know, this divine call that she had. And St. Paul talks about um, those who are um, set apart for the kingdom and those who are set apart for God's glory. So again, sort of um, remaining a virgin for the sake of the kingdom is a scriptural idea. And, um, and that, um, that we know that the, the very earliest Christians talked about Mary that way, Jesus, mother, that way, um, tells us just that she was um, following in her own life the model of biblical Christianity that Saint Paul and, and others, you know, talk about in terms of celibacy for the kingdom. Uh, why? It, why is it important? Because um, you know the Blessed Mother r- remained. Um, the, uh, obviously, the the um, the virginal conception of our Lord is is important because. It, it reminds us, of, you know, it, it reveals to us who Jesus is, um, that Jesus is not a man like any other man, but is fully God and fully human. Um, that Mary remained a perpetual virgin um, is a sign of her consecration to the mission of the gospel and a call for all of us to be, even those of us who are married, to be detached, um, to, to be um, to be primarily focused on the kingdom and to express that in whatever way God calls us, but to be um, detached from all goods but the goods to which God calls us each
0: day. I
1: don't know. Does that make sense?
0: No, it it absolutely does. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm not playing devil's advocate. Obviously I agree with you. Um, I think, I think too, ever virgin is also linked to that. I I think maybe people have a hard time understanding it because again, we don't understand that the biblical side of it, um, translation and, and whatnot, but it's also hard. I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of Mary is perfect and, and, I can't be, or how could I be? Or how, like, how can I relate to someone who never did anything wrong? And so Mm. I I feel like a lot of folks struggle with the idea of, well, there's moms, at least I know in mom life, like, did Mary ever yell at baby Jesus? Like, did she ever lose her temper? Did she ever have a sharp tongue? Like, would those be things that are, are, that are sinful? I can't really relate to somebody that doesn't sin because I sin all the time. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, I think it's a relation thing. It's, it's almost like asking Mary to become enthroned within your heart to recognize that she can be close to you, even if there is difference between the two of
1: you. Yeah. And I think, you know, the fact that Mary is um, immaculately conceived and unstained by sin means that she, Mary will look at, at our sins um, with empathy and not judgment, right? Mary will be um, sad that our, see our sins for what they are, which are which are things that separate us from God. And um and sad for us to be separated from God, but want to help us with that. So I don't think you know. I mean, Mary's not some sort of like up be, Being immaculate conceived doesn't mean being like super uptight and like you know not not thinking that other people are worth loving, right? I mean, um, Mary's right. not a jerk. Um, on the contrary, <laughs> that's um, the quote.
0: That's the byline for this. Mary's not a jerk.
1: <laughs> yeah. JD. Um, to, right, yeah, you can put it, put it in the books. I, I think yeah. on the contrary, that Mary's Immaculate conceived means that she, more than any other human being, wants us to be close to God and wants to do everything that she can um, from heaven to help us with that by praying for us and, and, and inviting us to come closer to her son.
0: I mean, that's how the hymn Mary ends, right? Like, be with us at the hour of our death. Yeah. Why? Because at our death, ideally, we're going to see God. And so right. like, we want her to be with us when we see him.
1: And at our death, I think we're probably most tempted in some ways to despair, to doubt, you know, um, the 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 pain of death, the the, uh, the fear of unknowing, um, to, to entrust ourselves in that moment when it's really, really real to God is hard. And so to ask the person who most wants us to be close to the Lord to be with us is just a recognition that she loves us in our fallen humanity because of the grace that God gave her.
0: So one of your... Um... Gifts to the world is your sure. Catholic News podcast, uh, the Catholic News Agency podcast, CNA Newsroom, and Editor's Desk, which has become one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Oh, um, thanks! And I, I, it's definitely on my like. When it when it comes in, whenever whatever I'll upload it, it's like oh thank goodness there's another one I've got something to listen to in the car, and I'm a big fan. I, again, my sister's a canon lawyer, so I feel like I'm listening to you guys prepares me to talk to her. But you guys often play games, so I want to play a little game here at the end of our of our time together, JD. Um, yes. Not a long one. Um, it's, it's. I don't know that it's a direct comparison to one that y'all play. But we're gonna play either or when it comes to Our Lady. Oh, cool. Um, so, just real quick, Our Lady of Fatima or Our Lady of Guadalupe?
1: Or oh, Guadalupe. Okay, can you tell me why? Pa- she's a patroness of America, of the Americas, and I, Katie, am an American. <laughs> so she's for me.
0: God bless America. Okay. Right. Immaculate Conception or Assumption in terms of the feast days.
1: Oh, um, Assumption because I like summer. Okay.
0: (laughs) It's a good, good end of summer uh, holiday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Assumption is the right time for a big freaking barbecue.
0: Does, uh, does CNA close on feast days?
1: (sighs) This is a big point of contention. We slow (laughs) down, but you know, the news watch never stops. So it's a little bit tricky for us. So we try to have, you know, as many non-essential people as possible not have to work and we try to rotate, but I wish we could do more really. (laughs)
0: Um, Okay. So, thinking of scriptural moments, visitation or wedding at Cana?
1: Oh. I'm, su- I'm surprising myself. The, my answer is visitation um, um, because I like um, what Mary has to say so much. Um, I, I expected to say wedding at Cana because I like weddings and wine. <laughs> um, but um, uh, I think the visitation is a really special moment. And it's that moment of Mary coming into the home of some sinful people, right? I mean, a stubborn guy and, uh, <laughs> you know, and so, um, so maybe there's some, maybe we can relate to that.
0: Yeah, I, we have an image of the visitation right at our front door um, and you can't even really see Mary in the image. It's more uh, Elizabeth greeting her at the doorstep and she just looks like simultaneously relieved and excited. Um, cool. <laughs> like, oh, thank God someone's here to help. Yeah, right, um,
1: exactly.
0: Okay, last one concerning okay. prayers. Uh, Hail Mary or Hail Holy Queen?
1: Um, I go Hail Holy Queen because the Hail Holy Queen is the Salve, and the Salve has a special place in our, in our family life. And, uh, and so I go Hail Holy Queen, but not to denigrate, obviously, um, one of the church's greatest prayers. Yeah. It's a tricky one.
0: It is. It's a tough one. Oh, JD, it thank happens. you so much for taking time with us today. I am so grateful. I think this is going to be a great episode for the show.
1: Thanks, Katie. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, as with all of our podcast guests, so much of what JD said uh, was so poignant and I think very uh, particularly relevant at this moment even in the life of the church. You know, J.D. works in Catholic news. J.D.'s experiences are very much on the front lines of reporting what's going on in the life of the church. And and that's not always easy. It's not always easy to be the one telling the story, especially if the story is not necessarily a very nice story or a very easy-to-swallow story. And so I can definitely tell both in our conversation and just in watching JD on Twitter uh, and, and Instagram that, that a relationship with Mary is something both important in his own life and, of course, important in the life of his family, as he talked about, but gives us all an example of how we can welcome Mary into our lives. And, and not just in a, in a very practical and real way, but, but on a very personal level, make space for her, make time for her, make... An effort with the people we love the most to talk to her, to beg for her intercession and for her prayers. JD said something really interesting when talking about the rosary with his kids that a couple of other people have said, both on this podcast, episodes you've heard already and episodes coming up, it doesn't matter if kids are climbing the walls, it doesn't matter if they're squirmy, what's important is putting the rosary into the life of your family, into your personal prayer practice and becoming very routine and, and not regimented isn't the right word here, but making it a regular thing to where it isn't weird, it's not out of turn, it's not uncommon for rosaries to be part of your family life, for the rosary to be part of the way that you as a family pray and talk to God. Look for a bonus episode later this week with Kristen Riley from Many Hail Marys at a Time, an Instagram account where she hosts a daily live rosary with hundreds of people tuning in, praying together at 645 in the morning and 7 o'clock in the evening, and she reposts them again on YouTube later on. JD's conversation about the rosary with his family is a perfect setup for that episode coming later this week. As always, we are so grateful that you not only listened to this episode of Ave Explorers, but that you are hopefully following along with all of the Ave Explorers content that we have available for you at avemariapress.com. You can click down in the show notes and it'll bring you straight to all the articles and the content that's been created just for you. We'd, of course, be very grateful if you'd subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscribe so that you never miss an episode and rate so that other people can find it as well. Our Lady is someone that we are called to be in relationship with, and that's what we've been exploring with you during this series of AVE Explorers. And we're so happy to be on this journey with you. We're grateful that you listened, and we can't wait to keep going.